Yeah, awesome. Yeah, great time of worship. I, um, I don't often get to do this, but I wanted to continue last week from what we were teaching or learning about Romans 8. And uh, it's an amazing piece of scripture, and I wanted to talk and carry on from what we spoke about last week, about being led by the Spirit. And it says, those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And I wanted to talk this evening a little bit about what being a son of God is, but more about what it means to be adopted by God. Because the scripture goes on to say that we are adopted sons of God into his family. Now that should be good news for us, and I want to unpack why that is good news for us. Okay, and hopefully by the time I'm finished, you'll, you'll see what it means to be adopted into the family of God. It really is a wonderful, wonderful privilege. So very quickly, a very quick recap. In a nutshell, last week was simply this. That those who by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body are led by the Spirit of God, and those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Right? By the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the flesh, as an evidence that we are sons of God. Or perhaps a simpler way of doing the whole of Romans 8 very quickly to refresh your memories is we are in Christ, Romans 8.1. We walk according to the Spirit, Romans 8.4. Indwelt by the Spirit, 8.9. And we are putting to, de- to death the deeds of the flesh. So if you weren't here last week, really, that was a nutshell. We talked a little bit about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life as well and what role He plays and how he leads us. Today I want to go through our passage again, and I want to get into chapter 15, 16, 17. So let me read this passage again, so we're all on the same page. Romans 8, 12 to 17 says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, it's my microphone died. Is my mic? Oh, it's left. Okay. It feels very soft. Okay. Can you guys all hear me? Okay, I'm just going to keep going then. Um, but if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, last week, we, as I said, we focused on being led by the Spirit. Tonight, I want to talk more about being adopted as sons and daughters. But I thought last week it was important to establish for us, what it means to be led by the Spirit before we get into what it means to be adopted as sons and daughters of God. So if we look at 14 and 15, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now this is an amazing piece of scripture And you'll notice in verse 15, what Paul does is he uses this contrast of two spirits to really drive his point home, right? On one side, he's got a spirit of slavery, and on the other side, he's got a spirit of adoption. 
Now, in order to highlight the awesomeness of the spirit of adoption, he needs to show us the spirit of slavery and show the audience in Rome what they've come from and not to fall back into that. You see, one spirit enslaves, the other adopts. One offers only slavery, the other offers sonship. One produces fear, law, the other produces assurance. And one is law and the other is gospel. And what Paul is trying to do is trying to make it clear to his audience that they are sons and not to fall back into the threats and the legal bondage of the law, but to remember and to see that they have been redeemed by Christ from the law. Does that make sense? Are you sure? Okay. They have not received the spirit of fear, but rather the spirit of adoption. And Galatians 4, 3 to 7 puts it this way. And uh, if you're ever studying Galatians and Romans together, Galatians uh, 3, 4 and 5 are very similar to Romans 7 and 8. So good to read those together. But it says this in, Rome, in Galatians 4, 3 to 7. So also, when we were children, we were enslaved under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive our adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons, okay, so when I say sons, please know that I mean sons and daughters, okay? It's not just for the men in the audience. I'm not going to say sons and daughters every time, but you know what I mean. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, you are also an heir through God. So what God, in essence, does is he calls us into a relationship. We are called into a relationship as sons with the Father. But here's the thing. We are called into a relationship with the Father by the Father through the Son. That makes sense. Now, this thing of family, right? You see it throughout the New Testament. Paul and the other authors are always using this metaphor of family throughout the New Testament. And he uses it here again to get his point across. And it always, I think, refers to important relationships, right? He's using familiar language that people would have been, um, they would have understood. So we hear things often like, God is the Father. We're described as children of God, members of the household of God, members of his body, and brothers and sisters. And now Paul, in this text, tells us we are adopted children by the spirit of adoption. Now he uses this familiar language, and he also uses familiar language that would have been recognizable to a Roman audience. He uses the word adoption. Okay, and we think, well, maybe adoption is a bit of a, a modern thing. Well, adoption was actually a massive, hugely important, much revered practice in Roman society. In fact, it started first with the Greeks, as all things did in the ancient world, really. And all the Romans did was they took what the Greeks had done and modified it a little bit. But it was an important part. And by using this concept of adoption to the church in Rome and to the church in Galatia, which were both in Roman provinces, Paul is using language 
that they will understand. Firstly, he's using a family metaphor, but he's using language very specific to that time and to those people. In fact, an example of this in, in Roman culture is we see Julius Caesar adopts the next Caesar that would follow him, which was Octavian. And then Octavian becomes Caesar because he's been adopted by Julius Caesar. Octavius adopts Tiberius, who then becomes the next Caesar. And then Tiberius adopts the next Caesar, who becomes Caligula, who was a very evil and wicked man. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a good choice. But there was something about this thing in that culture which was highly revered. <laughs> I want to take a quick break. Are we back? Is it the wind, maybe? No. Hello. Am I back? Okay, I'm back. I don't know. Am I back? All right, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> now, I want you to listen to this description of adoption. And then I'm going to ask you a question at the end of that. The adopted person was given full rights as a son. His debts were cancelled, taken out of their previous state, and placed into a new relationship as son to his new father. Now, is that describing a Roman adoption or a biblical adoption? It's not a trick question. It's not that hard. <laughs> biblical, okay. Anyone else? Roman or biblical? Right, biblical. But that's actually a Roman description of adoption. So we see why Paul uses this, because in the Roman mind, they're understanding what it means to be adopted. They get it. In that culture, they get it. The adopted person has been, uh, was given full rights as a son. His debts were canceled. Well, that, that, that doesn't sound like our debts being canceled by Christ taken out of their previous state and placed in a new relationship as son to his new father. What are we? New creations in Christ. See, this, this word that Paul uses is so familiar, but he uses a Greek word. And I'm going to break this word down, and my Greek uh, pronunciation is really bad. But it's called heuthesia. And it's a combination of two words in the Greek. The one word is huos, which is for son, and the other one is tithimi, which is to place in. So when Paul uses this word adoption in that context, he's saying he's taking the son and placing that son into a divine family in the context of what Romans understood about adoption. Now that is a big deal. It's a big deal for someone in the physical to be adopted by family here and now. I think sometimes it's a, well, I'm not, I don't think, I know, it's a bigger deal for someone who doesn't deserve to be adopted, who's done nothing but actually sin against God, to then be taken by that God, forgiven, and placed and be given the adoption as a son. Do we see what it meant for the Roman audience, and do we see today what it means for us? 
Because this is really good news. Really good news. And I think uh, sometimes we, we go, okay, well, it is good news. Yeah, it's good news, but I wasn't, I wasn't that bad. Like, I was okay. Like, God saw me. I was doing, like, good stuff in society. And he was like, I'll choose that guy. He's cool. I'll adopt him to, as mine. And maybe that's what the Romans did. They saw, they always adopted adults, right? Roman adoption was adults because if you adopted a child in Rome, there's a good chance the child was going to die. So by that time, the, the next Caesar was probably a bit like a Saul, pretty good looking, pretty tall, looked like a king. Caesar's like Octavian, you the guy. But not so for us, because we have nothing to offer God, actually. In fact, all we were before God saved us were rebels and people who were completely anti-God. And he says this, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by who we cry out, Abba, Father. See, this is not on the basis of merit, but purely of mercy. God's mercy towards me, a sinner, that he should find me adopted into his family as a son. It makes me think of Ephesians 2.8, and it's one of my favorite scriptures. And maybe it ties into what we're doing in, in worship. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And we love that part. The Reformation. Martin Luther. Yes. And this is not from yourself. You don't like that part so much. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which Jesus prepared for advance in his life. Now, I, I asked the months if I could share quickly about this, but as I thought about this thing of adoption, I thought about little Kaz, who's there. Hi, Kaz. <laughs> now, when the months went to East London and they, they met Kaz, Kaz was a tiny baby who was sitting on their chest and just really not doing anything other than being a baby and being cute, Right? <laughs> and it's something of that with, us, with our relationship with God where he comes and he takes us not based on our merit if we think of ourselves as baby there's nothing we can do to commend ourselves to God and go God because of this you should adopt me Cass didn't have a CV or a resume or she didn't put a PowerPoint together saying this is why you should have me as your daughter no it was purely an act of Robin and Matt adopting her and that's what it's like for God when he adopts us. In this story, we need to be helped and rescued. We're unable to help ourselves, and ultimately we're under the dominion of sin and Satan. And he sends his son to die for us, to save us from our sins, and then to welcome us into his family. Really, that is the essence of the gospel. Our natural position was not as children of God. Sometimes I think we can think we've always been saved. No, that wasn't your natural native state. Your actual native state was not that you were in that. You needed to be brought into that position of being a son and daughter of God. 
We were not born as sons and daughters, and we couldn't make ourselves his children. Apart from the work of the firstborn, only begotten Son, Christ. Christ is the firstborn, and we are brothers who are added. Now, I need to ask this question, and maybe you're all asking it already. What are the benefits of being adopted by God? Salvation. <laughs> is that what you said? That's a good one. But it is. It's what are the benefits of being adopted by God? Yeah? Being? And family, yeah. Relationship? Inheritance, yeah. So these are a few that I picked out of Scripture, and specifically this Scripture. Well, firstly and most obviously, we receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we can call out, Abba, Father. Now, before we were saved, we weren't calling God Father, unless we were doing the sinners, <laughs> unless we were doing what the, the Lord's Prayer in the school. Our Father, I didn't have everything. Okay, cool. Can I go? Can I leave? Can I leave assembly now? But we get to call him Abba, Father. And what they do, what he does here in Romans is he uses that word Abba, and I've spoken about this before. But it's the Aramaic word, and it's an early church tradition where Jesus had used the word to address God, and the church picks up on this word Abba as Father, and then he quickly after that puts the Roman word Father. But there's a church tradition of calling God Abba. And it's a beautiful thing because all we're doing is we're mimicking what Jesus had done when he was addressing the Father. Okay. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. We become fellow heirs with Christ. As heirs, we will receive an inheritance. And we who are once far off are now called can call God our Father. We become more like and start to resemble our new father. Have you ever noticed, and um, we've got lots of friends who've adopted kids. Our friend Ryan has adopted a little boy called Oscar. Now Oscar's a little black guy with dreads and Ryan's a big white guy with blonde hair. But there's no mistaking that Oscar is Ryan's son. The characteristics are uncanny. I mean, he is a Thomas Hazen through and through because he's been adopted into and now has the characteristics and starts to resemble his new father. And so do we when we come into the family of God. If we're led by the Spirit, we, the Spirit starts to change us and we start to resemble God more as we walk this thing out. Or we should be resembling him more and more as we go through this process of sanctification. Here's an interesting one. As sons and daughters of God have been adopted, we will suffer with Christ. See, we liked all the other ones because they were quite affirming and positive. But Scripture says that we will suffer with Christ as sons and daughters. And as Mike said, we are adopted into a community, into a family of faith. As we all sit here, every single one of us 
who has received Christ as their Savior is adopted. So you should think of the day that you accepted Christ as your adoption day. Because adoption is a beautiful thing, and we all have in some sense been adopted into the family of God. There's a scripture in um, John 13, 35. And I think this is something that we should be behave, how we should be behaving or acting once we've been adopted into the family of God. We're adopted into this bigger community, and as members of this bigger community, John 13, 35 says this, By this you they will know you're my disciples, by your love for one another. Now there's no point if we're all adopted into this huge family and there's just discord and disunity, because then the world's going to look at us and go, what is the point? They don't even love each other. Now we've got a rule in our family, our daughters, when they fight and they want to go see a friend, well, you can't go see a friend until you're best friends and you love your sister again. And that can take as long as it takes. <laughs> but until they are best friends, and there's unity in our house, there's no point sending them off. Because if they go to another friend's house disgruntled, what's going to happen? My sister sucks. Okay. Otherwise, <laughs> is, is that true? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. This is what the church is called to. Because we will do this if we remember that our state was lost, then found, then adopted into his family, and none of us is better than the other. We have all been saved by grace. We should be extending grace to one another. And lastly, honor. Now, as adopted children into the family of God, this word honor kept coming up as I was preparing this sermon. J.I. Packer, a well-known theologian, says this, The Father impels us to act up to our position as royal children by manifesting the family likeness and maintaining family honor. And think about this. On earth, we represent the King of Kings. We represent the kingdom of God. We are adopted people, and we are to do our best to display to those around us and to others the Savior that has saved us. There's something about this thing of showing God and honor and displaying honor towards Him. As adopted children, we are to bring honor and blessing, not dishonor and shame, to the name of God and to our adoption. Let me say that again. As adopted children, we are to bring honor and blessing, not dishonor and shame, to the name of God and to our adoption. And we think now, I was on YouTube the other day. YouTube's um, a black hole. I need to get off YouTube. But I was, <laughs> yeah, no, YouTube can suck you in, man. I mean, literally, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Today, I was watching, I mean, I'm not even joking. I didn't even know. At the end, I was like, what am I doing? I was watching the 2014 World 
dodgeball finals. <laughs> I mean, what was I doing? I actually, mm. I turned it off because I realized at this point I was just wasting my time. But the, the irony is that the World Dodgeball Championships is basically America and Canada. Because who else plays dodgeball in the world? No one. So for them, that's the whole world. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but while I was on YouTube, uh, I came across this thing and, and talking about Prince Andrew. And if you're a, a, a royalist, like I know Matt loves the royal family. Yeah, great. Yeah, the queen is fantastic. But there's something now happening with the royal family where Prince Andrew has now, the queen has summoned him in and he's be, all his rights have been taken away. He no longer has a title. He's no longer called your highness. None of that. And he will now face trial as a citizen of the United Kingdom in America. Right. What has he done? He has brought dishonor and shame and disgrace upon his family. Has he, Matt? Okay, good. At least Matt's on the same page. <laughs> Just now Matt's like an ardent Prince Andrew fan and I'm in trouble. <laughs> but he has. He's done that to his family. And yes, they're a, they're a royal family and bless them. Great. They are royals. But so are we. And I'm sorry, they, they don't have a king, they've got a queen, and they had a king, but we have the king of kings. And we are also part of a royal family. So as members of a royal family, can we represent that family well to the world around us? Because the world looks at the royal family now and goes, I'm sorry, you guys are a bit of a joke. I don't think they're a joke, I think they're awesome. <laughs> but the poor queen, she's like almost 100, almost just, Come on, man. Just, I feel sorry for the queen. She's great. I really like her. Okay. First Peter 2, 9 to 12 says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, to claim the virtues of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. To proclaim the virtues, this is, this is who we are, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. To proclaim the virtues. Or well, wouldn't you want to proclaim the virtues of someone who saved you? We proclaim the virtues of a lot lesser people. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Think about that. There was a point in your life where you had not received mercy from God. In fact, Romans 1 says, the wrath of God is being poured out upon all unrighteousness. Which means if we weren't in Christ, we were children of wrath. Without mercy. And yet God decides to extend us mercy. Then he goes on, he says, beloved, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh which war against your soul. Conduct yourselves with such honor among the Gentiles, though they slander you as evildoers. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. 
Though they slander you. And it makes me think of that thing of we will, be, we will suffer with Christ, where Jesus himself says in Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when people insult you. Hashtag blessed. Someone insulted me today. Hashtag, yeah, awesome. Jesus is, is down. Persecuted you and falsely said all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says you are blessed. Imagine putting that on Instagram. That is not going to get many likes on Instagram. What? That's not blessed. What are you talking about? Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. Honor God. Now, the point of this sermon tonight was to encourage you, and I hope you do feel a sense of encouragement and a sense of assurance that as those who are led by the Spirit of God, we then are adopted into God's family whereby we can call Him Abba Father. And our responsibility then is to honor Him and to honor His name by representing Him well to those without Him. Now, as far as exchanges goes, I think that's quite a good one. Because actually part of our duty is to go out and make disciples of all nations anyway. So we're winning, right? Okay. <laughs> we're not only led by the Spirit, we're also adopted as sons, and we get to call Him Father. I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you feel encouraged in your position in Christ and your identity in Christ. And to remember that we belong to a family. That this is the community. This is where, what Jesus is doing in this community in Musenberg. And we are all part of it, adopted children. And my prayer is that this week we'd all meditate on these truths. If you want to read Romans 8, as I said before, it's an incredible passage of Scripture. And actually, before you read Romans 8, read Romans 7. Actually, just read Romans 1 through to the end. <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> because Romans 7, you can't read Romans 8 without, without Paul's cry of, O wretched man, who am I? Who will deliver you from this body of death? And then getting into Romans 8, where there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And before that, you've you got to go back. So read Romans. <laughs> But I was so very aware that for some people, as I'm, think, as I'm talking through this thing of adoption, you might go, well, some people might feel the, the security and the assurance of who they are in Christ, and we all should. But I'm very aware that for some people, there's not that assurance or recognition of who they are in Christ. Often as a pastor, I will meet with people who don't have or don't seem to have any real assurance of who they are in Christ. In fact, even though they've been in church for a long time, there's something still of them being an orphan and an outsider in their relationship with God, of not really going and going, I feel like I'm adopted. I know that I'm adopted. Often the, the, the thoughts are, I don't feel, I feel like I'm still outside of what God has for me. And today I feel like God is saying that he, as, as believers, He is calling us to know who we are in Christ. To know that as adopted children, we can cry out and have full assurance that He is our Father. 
Now, there might well be people here who feel like that. I know I have felt like that at times in my own life, and I've had to walk a journey out for myself. And maybe for some people here, you have been in that place, or maybe you're in that place, where you don't identify God as Father. You feel like you're walking by the Spirit, but you're not feeling like God is your Father. And I would like to pray for you if that is the case. If that's not the case, then we can leave here rest assured that we all know that we're adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God, which is awesome. And take that into your week. But I want to be sensitive to those who perhaps don't feel that. So I'm going to ask if there is anyone this afternoon who, while I've been preaching this, goes, I don't know if I feel that. I don't know if that's the relationship that I have with God. I feel like I'm constantly doubting whether God is my Father or not. Because I don't believe God has called us to that. Or perhaps just for this season, you're questioning if God perhaps even is your Father. So is there anyone here tonight or this afternoon who, as I've been preaching, feels that this is not something that is resonating with them and they want to have a sense of God as their father, that they truly are an adopted son and daughter of God. Is there anyone? I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and we can pray for you. Okay. Good. Well, I hope my message tonight just reinforced (laughs) your assurance that you are adopted into the family of God. That you were sons and daughters who have been placed into this amazing family. Okay. Where's Jules? I'm going to hand back to Jules.